0: You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash Media. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there, the hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the northern lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money, enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher, I'm a rover, I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today.
1: This is Jason Mackey. You're listening to Mushing Radio.
0: Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto.
2: Hello and welcome, everybody. You are listening to Mushing Radio here on KVRF 89.7 in the Matsu Valley. Radiofreepalmer.org is our live streaming site, and you can hear all of our episodes over on firstpaw.media and make sure you check us out on social media as well tonight i'm joined by my co-host tony who's calling from kenai alaska and also we are welcoming in the 2023 iditarod champion ryan reddington tony how's it going first
3: uh, going really well. We've got snow down on the Kenai, so uh, spring is not quite here yet.
2: It is melting quick up here in the valley, but I think uh, I think there's a couple of weeks left. Ryan, how's it going tonight? Yeah, going very good. Well, thank you for joining us. If we could, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're all about, please?
1: Yeah, I'm Ryan Reddington. I'm 40 years old. I've been racing sled dogs since I've been able, able to for many 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 years and and we have 50 50 sled dogs of of our own my partner sarah and i and we're we're very very doggy and love love competing with our dogs but really love all our adventures training and and all our daily adventures with with our dogs
2: and of course i know that you live in the mushing hotbed uh your uh, family estate if you will that goes way back to your grandpa's area there in knick alaska what's it like growing up with all of that mushing hitter history of course you you grew into it but what's it like to be just sort of in that mecca of dog mushing
1: yeah my grandpa joe reddington seniors the the founder of the iditarod and i grew up in connect alaska about one mile from my grandpa, and like you said, it's a big mushing hotspot. And growing up here was was something that I loved because every time that I'd go mushing, sometimes, uh, most of the time, I'd count seven to fifteen teams on average. Um, just a lot of fun seeing so so many so many mushers and so many good good looking dogs, and just just amazing amazing ch- childhood growing up here in Connecticut. Kanae-
2: very good. So, Tony, why don't you kick us off here with some questions? I know you and I talked a little bit about what you wanted to ask Ryan. So, ask away. So,
3: hi, Ryan. Congratulations! It's uh, really exciting to have you on the show, but more importantly, it's very exciting to uh, watch you achieve your uh, life almost lifelong goal um, of winning the Iditarod. So, congratulations! One of my questions, it came up on the Insider coverage during the race. We're just going to jump right into to race talk. But um, Insider kept reporting early on in the race that you had told either, I believe it was Bruce Lee, but it might have been Greg Heister, who said that you were kind of unsure that this was the year that the team was going to do that. Was that just because of the trail conditions with it being so warm early on that you were concerned that the dogs just weren't conditioned for 40 and 50 degree above zero temperatures? Or were you kind of playing mind games and giving us a little bit of drama just to kind of keep us guessing?
1: I I was I, I was having a really good race from the beginning and I knew it was a long ways to go to Nome yet but I didn't want to have the the camera right on me mm-hmm. and, and my team the the right away and I knew if I would have told Craig Heiser that I was having <laughs> a race of my life um and, and a really great race that and that I thought we were going to win I knew that he was going to run with that every time every checkpoint and <laughs> and then when it worked because in the my favorite because I'd i roll in 30 40 minutes ahead of like somebody like Pete Kaiser and they wouldn't come over and and t- talk to me and then as soon as Pete would come in they were like the camera was re- first thing um, he had to do interviews and talk with talk with the, Greg and and Bruce and so it kind of I kind of did it to keep things dialed down and I didn't want to jinx our chances either um so I was I was um kind of like playing poker there
3: I love that I love that the other question that I have um before I let Robert ask another one what what's your motivation going forward I assume that you're not going to be one of these uh, teams that's one and done. What motivates you to keep going? Because it is a, a financial uh, gamble in some way to be one of the top competitive teams. So, what motivates you going forward now that you've achieved that goal of bringing your grandfather's trophy to the family?
1: Yeah, I I wanna bring another one. Um, so we we bought five dogs right right away. Few days after after we won, we we bought five dogs and I I leased uh, one at Wade Mars's dogs that finished with them this year, and and um, and have them in our program already nice. for next year. Um, so we're we're very motivated on coming back with with a really strong strong team. And I did has been been my life, and I I want to continue. Race and I did a You're right. It's not a one, and since we won it, we're not not done. Mm-hmm. we we're, we're. I feel like it's the the beginning of a really strong many years of us competing again in the in the I I did a ride. We got a younger. I'd say uh, kind of like a younger team. We got a mm-hmm. our oldest dog this year. Splint was eight eight years old, and uh but. Everybody else is is six or younger, and a lot of a lot of three and four year olds in the team. So uh, next year, I look for for many of the dogs to return for to be in the team for next year's race.
2: If I could, Ryan, jump in here and take a step back and uh, go a little bit um, off the Iditarod trek, if we could. Uh, long <laughs> longtime fans know that you spend. Half your year down in the upper Midwest and the other half up here in Alaska. What's the reasoning behind that? Is it simple economics? Is it the ability to get to different races other than ones in your backyard? What's the reason for traveling back and forth?
1: Yeah, it's it's a really good chance for, for a better chance, I feel like, to be on that lake effect snow or earlier down there to train on and, and to compete the the races are very highly highly competitive down there uh, it's very hilly races and uh i have family down there as well so it's a combination of things um, the price the price of things down there are are cheaper as well and this year was a really great year training down there it was mostly 20 to 30 above all all winter down there with a lot of snow And, and we just never miss a day of training due to weather. And it was, it was
2: perfect. So my next one is actually a fan question. I asked this on social media when we uh, heard that you wanted to come on. And the first one that somebody asked, and I'm sure you've been asked this many, many times over the years. But the question is, what is going on with the green? How come you wear green all the time is there a special story with that yeah well green's green's always been our favorite color it's it's uh
1: green is like the northern lights and and green means go we it, it's really good for for our our fans especially we do a lot of school talks and a lot with with uh, it's easy
2: it's easy for our young fans to spot us and as well, Tony. What's up next on your list?
3: Well, one of the going with the theme of fan questions. One of the other questions that happened very early on after you won was everyone wondered where is the trophy going to reside? Are you going to split its time between Alaska and down in Lower Forty Eight, or does Mom and Dad get to hold on to it when you're uh, not here in Alaska? Who? where is the
1: trophy gonna sit yeah i haven't i haven't thought too much on that it (laughs) felt really good to bring it to my mom and dad's house and um so right now it's going to be there um until i go go to work in in girdwood and i give sled dog rides there um and so i'll bring it to to girdwood to share with my guests there because like you said earlier it's been my life lifelong dream to to win to win that i did and bring bring home this trophy and i've been talking about this trophy to thousands of people and i can't wait to to share that my dream finally came true
2: and and i have a tro- i have a trophy question as well and we talked a little bit about this on Our Iditarod podcast, when we're covering it, and you know, there are trophies literally for everything these days. You can get participation trophies for, you know, being in the Cub Scouts, and uh, you know, ribbons for everything else. But what is it like, Ryan, to have a trophy not not just the Iditarod winning uh, trophy, but a trophy that has? A, a a picture, if you will, or a likeness of your grandpa. That's got to be a pretty special thing, isn't it?
1: It is very special. It's very heavy. Um, it's it's a bronze sculpture of my grandpa and his lead dog Pete's, and and um, it is it is very very special and brings me a lot of memories of my grandpa every time that that I I see I see the trophy and also memories of how amazing my dogs throughout the race and 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 all the memories of the race as well so it's it's really a sweet trophy and and one that i will cherish the rest of my life um the
3: i think the last question that i have and going back again to uh just thinking of about those those last few miles uh in the gnome when was it that it that it hit you as you were coming in um to that finish line when did it hit you that you were actually going to come in first or has it as it's still sinking in or you know has it been enough time where you you really have your brain has come to terms with it and and you realize that you you did it you you finally crossed the finish line in first
1: yeah I tried I tried very hard not to not to think about winning until I got I got within I'd say a couple miles from the finish line. There, um, I was just just thinking a lot about about the race that that we we've had and and how special it was and how amazing my team is and and I so uh, instead of thinking of winning, I, I I just thought thought of so many great memories and just just getting down the trail and then once once I got a couple miles from the finish, uh, I. It hit me, and I started crying, and I, I couldn't hold my emotions back, and and I'm glad I, I it finally did that um, for me because um, I was able to pull myself together where I could f- finish and talk and and have the the emotions there where um, I that I had with the big crowd and no one that watched me finish and and seeing my family there and, and Sarah and celebrating with, with them. And I knew I had a really good lead when I left White Mountain, but we had a lot of, of t- times where I had to stop the team, um, set the snow hooks, leave the team, walk walk, and look for trail markers. And so I lost a lot of time that way, but I knew I had a good buffer, um, but I, I still didn't... I, i've been in races where uh, so many races that i knew not to not to um celebrate too early so it was a tough run that last run with the with the strong winds and and just trying to um get to safety was was um very very tough this year for with the conditions that we had.
3: It just hit me as he was talking about, you know, you had time to compose yourself before having to do all of those interviews. Is it just a whirlwind? I've never had to be in that situation where everything comes at you all at once. How did you, how do you even, do you have any really memory of those moments of coming in and Nordman, you know, congratulating you and they're checking you in and they're asking you questions? is that just all a blur or were you able to take that in in that moment
1: no i i was able to take that in so nice. yeah yeah that was really special to to i gave him a big hug there um i nordman's been a really really good friend um of mine and the Renington's and and um uh, so i i was very excited i it was something that i dreamed of for so long, and and uh, and when he reached in for a handshake, I I I'm the one that went for went for the hug.
2: I like it. Uh, if we could talk a little bit about the Reddington family for just a second, Ryan. Uh, right before I did a rod, right around junior, I did a rod time. We had your mom, Barb Reddington, on, and she talked all about you know the junior race and uh, what she thinks about the sport of mushing and all of that. And she talked about uh, when she was running the junior. Dr- Junior I did a rod way back in the seventies. What it was it what is it like growing up in that type of environment? You said you've been around this obviously your entire life. It's really the only thing you know. But can you give us a little bit of a glimpse of what it was like to be a kid in the Reddington household? Uh was it mushing all the time? Did you get to play baseball or wrestling or anything like that? Or was it all dogs? No, I got to I got to play basketball. Um, in school and
1: I participated in track. Um, but when, when I wasn't, you know, doing homework and, and other sport activities with school, it wasn't pressured to, to race or to, um, be super doggy, but I, I was, so I was, um, as doggy as I, I could be. I not only like would I'd sometimes be putting on my gear, um, my cold weather gear, on on the school bus, and my I knew my brother Vernon would have the team hooked up for me and and for him. And soon I'd throw my backpack in the in the sled bag, and we'd we'd start racing me and Vernon, and um, and we, as it wasn't pressured on us, um, but we we were as doggy as as could be. Growing up, my dad and mom always had about 80 to 90 or more sled dogs, and for, for growing up doggy, it, it was everything that I, a, a childhood dream, you know, of, of growing up that way. I wouldn't have changed anything. Um, it was, I was able to race in the junior I did a rod when I was growing up, and many other sprint races um, as well, and and I i went to the ferrandi a lot i was really big into not only distance racing but especially sprint racing that's um where where my uncle timmy my uncle joey my dad and my grandpa uh, were. they've all raced in the ferrandi and and that was um it was always televised when i was a kid but i i'd go down and help help joey and Um, race and help him get to the line and and um, my cousin Joe Ray as well he'd race in it and um, so it was that was the childhood dream of mine also I think 2011 I I was able to um, participate in it it was either 2011 or 2012 I I raced in the Ferrandi and going going down fourth avenue with with the team of 18 sled dogs um, on a little sled, that was really special as well. And uh, I, I will come back and race in the Ferrandi uh, again um, later later on in my mushing career. I uh, I do plan on coming back and racing in it. Um, yeah, it was epic growing up with with sled dogs. Um, with there'd be times where we'd have all our everything done and we'd either go up watch watch um races on tv uh, videos um or um you you didn't have to you could just watch out the living room window and watch watch teams mush by you know training for the iditarod and it was all big teams back then too you know like when uh, it was the 20 dog limit of the iditarod when i was growing up and so it was really cool and really special seeing teams training 20, 22, 24 dog teams going by going by the house. And uh, that that was um, re- really special, too.
2: So, Ryan, we have time for just a couple of more questions. And we try to do our best to talk a little bit about the, the dogs on this show. Of course, uh, they are what make it happen, of course. So I know you've probably been asked about your favorite dog over the years, or whatever your lead dogs, whomever, but can you share a, a story with us, Ryan, about a dog that you've had in your in your mushing career? It doesn't have to be right now, but maybe a story that you've never told in an interview. Just a quick story about one of the special dogs in, in your mushing life. Yeah, there's there's so
1: many, so many amazing dogs that I've had in my. My racing, um, what, but when I was growing up, there was a dog named Luna that was um, a really special dog because I I'd go hang out with Luna a lot. And Luna was my my grandpa Joe's lead, lead dog, and um, my my dad and mom would go down and visit with my my grandpa and have coffee or tea and and talk dogs, and I'd be out there hanging hanging out with Luna and um, really really a, a big dog that that loved me and, and uh, amazing amazing memories of of uh, me hanging out with and and playing and and loving on Luna when I was growing up and Luna was really special Luna um, he he was my grandpa's lead single leader when he raced in, in 1988 I did a run and he finished fifth place that year and he was the first team to unilaterally, and uh, but a big storm came in there and, and kind of shut down shut down the race and for him, um, but he finished fifth that year. And Luna was his lead dog and a really smart dog and and a really really incredible dog that I loved very much.
2: So last question from me, Ryan, and then we'll we'll close up by having. Uh a conversation about where people can follow you and all that. So I asked this question to all of our guests and I asked your mom the same question. And I I remember her answer very well. And you had talked about there are many years to come for, for your racing career and I did a rod and all of that. But my question is where do you see the sport of mushing in the next five or 10 years? You know, there's lots of changes with climate and money and sponsorships and, Dogs and all sorts of stuff. where do you see the sport in in a decade or so? Yeah, I, I really hope
1: that it bounces back to like it was um, ten, ten years ago, you know with I did around having 70, 80 teams or more um, and I'd like like to see it um, gr- grow even more um, and and have the highest purses of uh, that we've we, we've ever had. I see a lot of great, great um, competition. You know, with junior rod each year, having sixteen to twenty teams competing in it, uh, I think that that's very important and on a really good side. Um, looking, looking good for 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 that. I think I think um, racing in the lower forty-eight races, like the Bear Grease, will will get even even bigger. That's what I see.
2: Yeah, I think the, those races down there are really showing good promise. Uh, there's there's great competition down there, and like you said, it's it's much easier to get around. It's a little bit cheaper than it is up here, and it's it's a chore. You do it every year to drive up to Alaska, whether it's for Iditarod or to do your qualifiers or whatever. I'm sure that if it's robust down there, it can easily be robust up here. So, Ryan, before we go, how can folks reach out to you? Do you guys have a website? Where are you most active on social media? Where can fans go if they have questions? Reddingtonmushing.com is our web website. And
1: Reddington Mushing on Facebook, we do a lot of updates on there. And and look forward to sharing more of of our Iditarod experience this year on there as well, yeah, and th- we also give sled dog rides to to guests in Girdwood, Alaska, and um, and so um, there's there's ways to go mushing with the championship team, and uh, and ways to learn a lot about the sport, and can get a hold of us through through um, readytomushing.com.
2: Very good. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Ryan. Uh, Tony, thanks for being on as well. And until next time, this is Robert from Mushing Radio. We'll see you then. Goodbye.
0: From Dog Works Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.